Hi, Gary Stone from Sharewell Systems here. Sure, you may be trading stocks, ETFs, CFDs, futures, or even cryptos and FX, but how do you invest the money that really counts, including your retirement savings? Do you do it yourself, or do you feel you lack the strategies and confidence and have instead entrusted your retirement to a managed fund or financial advisor, or to somebody else to grow and protect your biggest investment? Go to sharewellsystems.com and download a case study that dissects a real money portfolio, which has achieved a return of double the ASX 200 accumulation index since January 2016. Sharewell Systems is proudly powering the spotty Your Call Hour right here on Ticker. Well, hello and welcome everyone for the last time this week to Australia's Hour of Investing Power. It's the show that's as great as you want it to be. This is uh, Spotty on Shares Live in Richmond, who is the home, of course, of both this year's premieres. Uh, and for the next 60 minutes, we're going to answer your questions live on air. Now, this is, of course, the last show of the week, as I said. So if you've got a question, you'll need to send it in right now because we tend to have a log jam on our last day. How do you do that? Well, you can text us on 0480079089. Dex is waiting to take your message. Uh, and, of course, you can email us, question at spotty.com.au. And you will see these details appear throughout the show at the bottom of your screen there. So if you do put it in your smartphone, it makes it easier for you to jump on. Okay, so let's bring in today's Chief Spotters, uh, starting with uh, someone who is a uh, very keen supporter of this station. It's uh, Kunal Sawney from Kalkine. How are you doing, Kunal? I'm good, Elio. How are you? Yeah, very well. Thank you. Great to have you on the program once again. And of course, we're all uh, nice and free here in Victoria now. So I feel like we're talking as equals. But uh, for those that may not know who you are and the firm that you represent and built, uh, perhaps you can tell us a little bit about you, not only your investing style, but also uh, Calkine and uh, how you help investors, not only here in Australia, but overseas as well. Um, uh, Calkine um, uh, was founded about eight years back. So we have been in the business for eight years and, um, and we have offices in Australia, um, in Sydney, in New Zealand, in London and in Toronto. Um, very soon we are launching in the US as well. Uh, we are a fundamental research people who look at long-term value for the businesses. And, um, and we, we cover pretty much everything from the blue chips to the penny stock. And, um, and the good thing is that we can give you an international perspective because we do cover US equities, UK equities, uh, Canadian equities, so you name it, we cover it. That's right, exactly you do. And of course, uh, uh, calkine.com is where you go to learn more about the services that uh, Kunal provides. And Kunal, if we can get you to fix your little camera just so we get to see more of your upper torso, otherwise uh, you look like a circus act, a little low down. So we'll lift that up and we'll get that going. But while you get your camera sorted, we're going to throw to our next guest, which is David Novak uh, from Wealthwise Education. G'day, David, how are you doing? Um, very well, Elio. Great to be on the show, as usual. Now, and, I just uh, want to... Actually, I met, oh, I sorry. met Kunal. Uh, he probably won't remember me, but I went to one of the presentations they put in the city, which was a company presentations. I think they had about eight or ten companies. Uh, you may not remember me, but I remember that um, in Grosvenor Place, somewhere near, near Grosvenor Place there. Excellent. Uh, <laughs> 
But that's enough about talking about Kunal. We've got to talk about your business for a bit because you've been around for eons, of course, uh, if you can't tell by yep. the uh, wrinkles in his face. Wealthwise Education is a business you built and you've helped thousands of investors uh, with investing. Why don't you tell us how you do that? Yeah, look, uh, Elliot, I've been in the markets, a veteran of 30 years. I've been educating investors and traders um, in derivatives or options for almost 20, oh, 23 years, at least 23 years. And, um, you know, teaching people how to identify good, undervalued, financially healthy companies um, that actually make money and um, went knowing when to buy using technical analysis combined with the fundamentals. So timing is what I've discovered in 30 years is everything in the market. Mm. So combining with the fundamentals and knowing uh, how much risk you're, you're willing to take and having stop losses in is critical. So managing risk is, is the most important thing. And then also using derivatives to get leverage in the market like options. I love options. I've been trading options for 20 years. And um, you know how to use options to protect your portfolio in a self-managed super fund how to generate a regular monthly income by writing call options and buying put options as protection. And there's a multitude of different strategies for traders. So uh, I love, that's what I love doing and that's why I teach traders how to do as well. Yeah, and that's uh, wealthwiseeducation.com.au or without the AU? No AU, just dot no, .com. Dot .com, and if my memory serves me right, I think you've got some training sessions coming up next month. So if anyone's interested in wanting to learn about uh, about those sessions that uh, David runs, please, by all means, go look at his website. Well, we're locked and ready, folks. All we need now are for you to send your questions through. Those details are on the screen once again. Before we get started, though, just a reminder, as always, you know, I have to remind you, I can't <laughs> take the risk of not, that all the information in today's show is of a general nature only. None of it takes into account your financial objective situations or needs. And therefore, should you decide to act on any of this information, you need to do so in light of your own personal circumstances. Of course, past performance is no indicator of future performance, as always. And remember, if you want to speak to anyone other than your significant other in life, then you need to do so with an advisor that's licensed to do so. Uh, also, just a reminder, too, that our guests may very well have interest in the stocks that are discussed in today's show. Uh, we try to remember to disclose that, but sometimes in the heat of battle, we do forget. By all means, feel free to contact us directly and we'll be more than happy to provide any clarification for you. And for the next hour, of course, Spotty is proud to be powered by our great friends and our sponsors, ShareWealth Systems. And since 1995, ShareWealth Systems have helped investors protect and grow their share portfolio using a rules-based investing approach that gives them what we like to call an edge over others. So if you wish to learn more about the team powering our spotlight here and how you too can win the race of investing life, then please go to their website, sharewealthsystems.com, and be sure to read all the relevant information on their webpage before making any decisions. All right, as we go to where, uh, currently the markets have rebounded a hell of a lot from what it opened at. Uh, the XJO is flat, but the All Ordinaries has actually crept up into the positive territory, which has made us feel a lot more comfortable than how we went to sleep last night. A lot of people nervous about what's occurring in the US at the moment with elections and COVID cases, and then you throw in the Basker case, which is uh, Europe. Uh, not that many of us in Victoria went to sleep, of course. Uh, be, you know, we were all partying because uh, everything's reopened again um, with social distances and all that sort of stuff uh, required. But uh, let's talk about partying because there has been a sector that has been doing a lot of partying for quite some time has yielded exceptional returns uh, for traders and investors who have decided to play in the space. Um, we've had a few updates today from stocks in that buy now, pay later sector. That's the sector I'm talking about. Afterpay, for example, and open pay. 
Um, both of them actually delivering very solid results, although Afterpays is the one that everyone everyone has bought into. Openpays uh, just lagged that a little bit. So the topic of the day, and Kunal, I'm going to go to you first on this one here. The topic of the day are the doubters of the buy now, pay later sector finally convinced? Because let's face it, it's been running hot, hot, hot. Are you convinced? Is buy now, pay later a real thing or is it still a fad? No, I, I am pretty convinced, Elio. I think a buy now, pay later is uh, here to stay. I think some of the numbers that came through today um, with Afterpay having 11 million global users, that's, mm. a, that's an amazing number. And I think uh, on the back of that, more and more people are investing in this sector. And the other thing is the traction is picking up because uh, overall uh, more merchants are coming into the system as well. So if you look at uh, Afterpay has crossed $100 and overall we saw wonderful quarter one updates from them. The US business is doing really well for Afterpay and the latest uh, feather in the cap was the deal with Westpac around basic banking services being offered yep. to Afterpay customers. We are tapping emerging markets that would be very good and also um, from a regulatory standpoint, initially these guys had a few issues, but now these guys are doing pretty well. And um, and hence, you know, we had uh, OpenPay also coming in today and uh, talking about a record growth in the first quarter of 21. And also, the, um, if you look at the active customers for OpenPay, that's up by 145%. So that's a very good number. Their UK business is doing very well. And also, um, you know, they are right now doing a go-to-market strategy, and that could be also very good as well. Yeah, that's right. But I mean, David, I mean, oh, look, when your company becomes a verb, I suppose that's some way of saying that you've made it. And definitely in the case of Afterpay, you know, that 9% growth on sales to another record was really impressive. And the 11 million clients, whilst Kunal said is it is impressive, it shows you the potential size of the opportunity because, of course, 11 million people relative to the world's population of 5 billion isn't all that much, and therefore there's still some more growth. But, of course, Afterpay's success has seen a lot of these guys come out of the woodwork. You know, we talked about OpenPay, who, you know, despite uh, growing uh, uh, their... Uh, um, growing their transaction amounts by uh, some 95%. Um, you know, they saw also the number of plans go up something like 200 odd percent. You know, and you can't help but feel there's been a lot of these companies that have come on the dovetail, notwithstanding they're getting growth, they're all coming off a low base. We saw Zebit uh, the other day, the newly listed firm, just trying to look at their price here, you know, fallen again, another 1.8% to $1.10. That's been an IPO, which hasn't been all that great. Are you convinced? Buy now, pay later, or are you still sceptical? And, and is it different for someone like an Afterpay and Zip versus the pack? Well, uh, how long have you got, Elio? <laughs> 55 <laughs> okay. minutes to be exact. <laughs> okay. Well, look, uh, it's, a, it's a hot space, okay? Um, you know, it's the buy now, pay later uh, bubble, as far as I'm concerned. And look, you don't argue with it. it you go with the trend is one of the things I learned. But if you look at purely on valuation, see, um, that's what I look at. Okay, yes, it's impressive their their growth in their uh, revenue and the number of people that they're signing up. Now you've got to consider what are the the risks and what's the valuation. I mean, here you've got a company that's now approaching twenty nine billion 
valuation, which is more than five billion more valuation than a company like Coles that has a revenue of close to 40 billion. So, you know, their latest quarterly, they're showing a $4 billion um, revenue, which is strong from last year, up from 1.9 billion. So if you extrapolate that, then they've projected out to next end of next year, 16 to 20 billion in revenue. Now they're earning their margin, providing for uh, doubtful debts, of course, and bad debts is about 2.3%. So they're, you know, right now, they don't make any money. They don't make a profit uh, after expenses and tax, et cetera. So if you project that forward, you're talking about a profit about 40 odd million on a valuation of 29 billion. Now, even if they double that revenue in five years and they went to 40 billion, you're only talking about 80 to 100 million. That's ridiculous, you know? So would I invest, I, like I said, I'd only trade this space. I don't treat it as an investment. It's certainly a trade. And that's what people are excited about the numbers. But when I look at Coles, there's a company that makes a billion dollars profit it's, it pays a fully frank dividend yield of about three and a half percent. It's financially strong and it's got, you know, four times the revenue. So, you know, uh, I rest my case, but I'm not saying it won't go higher because there's a lot of millennials and people chasing this space and it's a bubble. I mean, if you look at, you know, other stocks like Zip Money and, uh, you know, Tyro Payments and Sezzle, and I've had a lot of these um, people who are buying at the millennials in my courses. And when I ask them, do you know how much the company, how much profit the company makes, they inevitably don't know. They have no idea. For Tyro, for example, you know, one of them had Tyro and bought Tyro payments. And I go, well, do you know how much money they make? And they go, well, they don't. They made a loss of 18 million last year and they doubled that to 36 million, but that didn't stop the shares going up. So, you know, look, mm. it's a bubble. Uh, like there are many bubbles because, you know, of what's going on with the money printing zero interest rates people are chasing the hype in the story and there's nothing different that i've seen and people are delusional when they're talking about the valuation of these companies and that's more evidence of a bubble and that's just what happens when there's a bubble and it's happening across the world in the tech space so i could go on and i can give you there's a company called snowflake check that one out in the US. <laughs> I just want to point out one thing. David, yes, sorry on. to cut you off. When, when, he, when David said it's a bubble, I, I, I just completely you know, disagree with that statement because, um, because if you look at, uh, you know, when, when, uh, when we had uh, uh, PayPal come in, you know, it was a completely alien concept of uh, transferring money via email. And, and that uh, today PayPal is a 50, 60 billion dollar company. The point I'm trying to make, you know, uh, yes, they, they might not be that profitable right now, but the good thing about a technology business, about an online business, is they can get profitability very quickly. When we, we can't compare Afterpay, no, sorry, we can't compare a buy now, pay later, especially Afterpay to Kohl's, because Kohl's has got no growth. They have never ventured out of Australia. They have never gone to China. They, they don't even intend to do that. So how will they get the growth? But the good thing about yeah, technology, but... about a platform is you can take it to 100 countries in a couple of years. And that's where the margins can come in really quickly. Other thing, you talk about, you know, uh, 55 billion people, 6 billion people in the world. But the key thing is 
you know, 11 million, even if they have 10, 20% of these customers active on a monthly basis, that could add a lot of revenue to them. And hence, I'm saying that this, this phenomenon hasn't started yet. It, it is yet to start. Mm. Yeah, so, but, look, you know, I'm, I'm talking about I'm talking about the valuation. Okay, we can agree to disagree. I'm talking about valuation here. Okay, mm. I don't saying there's no growth. In it. There's obviously growth, but valuation is what I'm talking about here, and this is no different. Maybe I've been around too long, but I've seen this happen <laughs> over and over again. So, look, time will tell. But I tell you what, watch this space. I'll, I can talk more about that later. Yeah. Well, actually, let's do let's. <clears throat> I can't hear you, uh, Elio. Elio, we can't hear you. Stream us live on the Ticker app, Apple TV, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and tickertv.com.au. Ticker. Streaming news now. finally back on air one of the very very rare events of australian television is shutting me up and there you go we've been able to do that so thanks very much for joining us on this first now david i do wanted to go back to something you were mentioning because uh we can't get away with this fact that you were talking about you know the bubbles and and look let's face it notwithstanding the uh, positive momentum driving a lot of our businesses and it's been a good quarterly update period um it's fair to suggest that asset values have risen quite strongly um, what's your view in regards to the market from a technical perspective? Uh, I think everyone would be interested, um, you know, outside yeah. of the afterpay comment. Where do you see the broader market at the moment? Well, if you look at the S&P 500, so everybody's waiting to see what happens with, with, with the election outcome. But if you just look at the technicals on the S&P 500, it made, it's made what's looking like a double top when it hit a high intraday up to 3,550. If it breaks below the previous low, the trough, which is 3,200, that that'll confirm the double top pattern, which mm. is a bearish pattern. You know, I've been looking at patterns from 30 years. Okay, so that'll be a real clear indicator. Markets going down. So that's the thing to to watch for technicians and traders. They will be watching that key level at 3,200 on the SP. Now, our market. If you look at our market, our market's been trading sideways since June between 5,800 on the ASX 200 and 6,200. In fact, I went short last Thursday. This is what I do with derivatives. I went short on the market and I can talk about the trade later. At 6,200 on the index, I went short making money when it goes down last Thursday. 
because it's trading in a beautiful range between those two levels. So right now, you know, I cashed out at the top here and you know, if it gets back down to 5800, that's the time to buy again. But it's great trading at the moment in the market, especially in our market going sideways. But Kunal, we, I mean, we heard about the fact that interest rates are so low. We saw those inflation numbers uh, come through today, really not exciting. We know interest rates are going to be lower for longer. There's no immediate run up. And, you know, there, there's this natural tendency from central banks across the world to keep printing money and throwing money at it. So that's going to be good for asset values, uh, isn't it? Or, uh, or are you in agreement with David that possibly a mild correction could be coming soon? So um, I'm, I'm going to agree to disagree with the David again. Yep. Uh, two, first thing over here is that it doesn't matter who comes in the U.S. presidential seat. That's very important to understand. Because if you look at the past trends, you know, whether it has been Trump, uh, Obama, Bush, the markets have done respectively really well, irrespective of who is in the hot seat in the U.S. Uh, presidential seat. First thing. Second thing, yes, Elio, you're right. The, the interest rates are pretty low. Uh, the phenomena, money is cheap right now. You know, you can you can borrow at, um, at a very low interest rate and you can buy properties. In fact, our um, neighbor, New Zealand, they are having a property boom right now. Now, I think, you know, irrespective of who comes in the U.S. presidential hot seat, I think um, the markets are going to do really well. I think there is a lot for the markets to do uh, to go higher the reason i believe this is still a lot of places are in lockdowns people are working from home and all that stuff so when this opens up you will see the economy doing really well you will see the oil prices doing really well so i think we have some good times coming ahead and in general you know they, they always talk about christmas rally that out of uh, 10 times eight times there's a christmas rally so we are approaching Christmas. You know, there's a high chance that the markets can do really well um, in during the Christmas time as well. Okay, so that's enough from hearing from us old blokes talk about the general market and the like. Let's help people make some money or save it, for that matter. And we'll go into uh, questions uh, right now, if we can, uh, gentlemen. There was a question that came through yesterday on the email that I wasn't able to uh, get to, so I'm going to ask the first up off the bat here. And I might, just for the purposes of time and our little technical issue at the start there, I might ask each uh, one of you one of each. Um, I'll start with you, David, in regards to Austal, the shipbuilder, ASB. Um, obviously, has been winning a range of different contracts, particularly with the US military, with their literal combat ships and a few others. Also thrown up in the, uh, the mire that possibly there is uh, an issue with the federal government. Uh, you know, we, I suppose many people calling for that federal ICAC or some sort of federal corrupt board because Austell asked them to give them an early payment for a ship that hasn't been working all that great. Anyway, by the by, what are the numbers and what's the chart telling you for ASB at the moment? Well, the numbers, if you just look at the raw numbers, uh, they don't look too bad, Elio. On hmm. However, uh, the chart pattern, like it has come down, it's financially strong. The yes. company's got a dividend yield of just under 3% unfranked you know, 12% return on equity. So, you know, those numbers are not too bad. And it's on a earnings multiple of 11 times. So, so that all like ticks a lot of boxes. And it's also come down to a key support level here at around $2.80. It, it did trade up to about $3.70 or $3.80. 
it couldn't break above that previous peak. It got resistance, it failed, and it's come down here. So I'm not adverse to, and the companies responded to the allegation saying, you know, they've done nothing wrong. Um, and, you know, don't know where the, the, these reports came from. But anyway, down here, you know, you could look at accumulating the stock. Um, personally, I wouldn't be rushing to buy it because it's not trending up at the moment. Yep. But uh, you could certainly accumulate it and have a, a stop, you know, lower down at $2.50. But look, this is the level that um, it's finding support at right now. All right, Kunal, I'll go to the other stock that uh, Jack just, wanted to ask about. one thing, just yep. quickly, I will mention this. I agree with David on this one. So it's not <laughs> that I always agree with David. I agree with David on this one. AS, ASB is a quality company. Just one small uh, snippet from my side that um, with the recent um, challenges, uh, there is a new uh, a quad uh, defense agreement happening between India, Australia, Japan, and the U.S., and that's yes. really going to help. That's really going to help ASB. So I think they have some good times. But yes, I do agree with David that there is no point in rushing into this right now. But yes, there is long-term value in the business. All right. Well, let's talk about. And by the way, folks, don't ever despair when uh, people disagree with one another. I mean, it's the share market, right? For every person that wants to buy a stock, someone's got to sell it to them. Otherwise, you don't get a trade. That's just the way things roll. Um, but Kunal, I'll stick with you. Uh, Catapult, C A T. Uh, Catapult, mm -hmm. which make the tracking systems that sports people wear in order to monitor their uh, performance on the field, uh, more from the athletic side, so how far they run, the distance, their heart rate, um, stress points, all that sort of thing. Interesting stock. Obviously, when sport went into hold, uh, the share price fell quite significantly, as it did in March. But as sporting teams have reopened globally, even without any supporters watching them, um, the share price did find a little bit of favour. But it's now sort of tracking sideways. And I think Jack probably wants to know, is it likely to, is this just a pause in a general trajectory up? Because let's face it, it's had some issues over the past few years. It seems to have rectified them now, but still there's that little bit of overhang. Um, is this their opportunity or is it a false storm and the stock could be continuing its way down? Okay. So uh, Catapult, the code is C-A-T. Uh, they are basically uh, a sports science research company, innovation company. Um, they are uh, dedicated uh, with regards to athlete feedback, wellness management software. Their platform is based on SaaS technology, which captures on-field uh, performance information. And now they are uh, also providing a lot of seamless integration with the off-field um, information as well. Now, uh, with regards to COVID-19, obviously athletes uh, are not you know, doing a lot of sports right now. So the wellness industry um, is, is not doing that well with regards to COVID-19. But the key thing is um, that I don't think the long-term sales are going to get affected due to this. So mm. the business, um, I think, is a very solid business. It's a good technology business. And with more and more people looking for, um, you know, to enhance their performance in, in, in the best possible fashion on the field, I think they have a good, um, good um, time ahead. They might be in the risky zone right now, so you just need to watch out a bit. But I think in the long term, the business is, is pretty good. Okay, so David, I'll spare you one of the bits. I'll tell you that they're expected to be profitable by 2022. Okay, just thought I'd throw that in there. And also recently, okay. there's been some upgrades in regards to analyst expectations. Uh, about six months ago, sitting at around the $1.50 mark, now sitting at around the $2.50.
mark. So $1.50 to $2.50. Of course, that naturally means after the upgrade that the share price falls. So Jack's probably wanting to know, is this recent pullback likely to continue? Um, or is this a possible opportunity? Can, can you see enough conviction in it? Or can, have you got conviction in it to you know, go against your inner feelings and uh, commit something into Catapult? Well, it's not even about my feelings, to, to really. It <laughs> comes down to what's the chart telling you. And right now, there, there's a there's a, um, a yep. failure pattern here. You yeah. know, um, Catapult yep. got to a low of about 50 cents. It rallied up to that 225 level, and it's tested that before pre-COVID. It's tested it like two or three times here, failed, and now it's breaking down. So mm. it is a definite not not a buy here. Understood. Well, let's keep it with the theme then of tough stocks because uh, an interesting question came through from Brian on the text machine, 04800079089. You don't have to talk about these stocks, uh, both of these stocks, gentlemen. He's just after one. And he wants to know who is worse, Telstra or AGL? (laughs) So, David, I'll go to you. Which one do you think is worse? And all I need is the bad one. Thanks. Okay. Well, look, if I had to pick, I, I would say Telstra over AGL. Okay. Uh, I, I actually like AGL down here. To tell you the truth, okay. AGL's come down to a really good buying level since 2015. It's got a better yield than Telstra. It's, you know, uh, it came out with a great result. It's got a fantastic dividend, fully franked yield of 7%. Um, I, I'm not adverse to AGL. It's more than halved its price um, from where it was before. So, uh, out of the two, if I had to pick one, um, and I only had one choice, I'd go AGL. Okay. What about you, Canal? Who do you think's worse, Telstra or AGL? Um, I, I think I think Telstra is much much better than AGL. Okay, um, yeah. and, and the reason I'm saying this is because of 5G. Okay. So I I, I disagree with David again over here with regards <laughs> to tech. But the key thing over here is I think Telstra with regards to the 5G side of things can do really well. Obviously, the dividend is there. The key thing is with with the new phones coming in, whether the iPhone 5G or the Samsung phones, a lot of people are going to subscribe to them. Currently, people are working from home. They need NBN. They need a strong internet. So all these things are going to help Telstra. I think overall, Telstra is is in a much better picture than AGL. Yeah, look, for me, it's really difficult between the two. I think Telstra's strategic uh, direction, sort of, they're just doing what they have to. I don't think 5G was something they discovered or strategically offered any new insight into. They they have gone into that space uh, because they had to. Uh, Anything they've tried to get into, it really hasn't worked. And I think young Mr. Penn is sort of on his last legs. He really needs to keep an eye on what's going on because, yeah, I think investors seeing the stock test 2010 lows prior to that were the dark days of Sol Trujillo, of course. If uh, if it gets back there, um, yeah, it'll be very difficult to uh, suggest that um, they're on the right track. Um, oh, well, David, you mentioned Coles in your opening. Greg, one of our great regular spotters, wants to know our view. So you did give your initial view about the very strong result today. What I really liked about it, even though liquor is only a small part of their business, um, liquor grew by something like 17%. And the reason why liquor did so well, because everyone was buying the bulk packs of spirits and wine. So, yeah, there's, there, a, there's, a, there's a positive there's a impact of Victoria. Yeah. <laughs> but look, just if you can quickly, succinctly wrap up, uh, you've obviously got a positive disposition to Coles. Yes. 
Yes. Yep. Um, uh, look, you could, I, I think you know in this space, if you're looking at you know good solid defensive stocks, um, food and retail, Woolies, Coles. Yeah. I mean, if you look at um, Coles has um, had a good bounce here. It's up two and a half percent. It's come off a nice support here at seventeen dollars. Um, if it can break above this previous um, previous peak, which was I'm just looking at it now, which is about um, you know just above eighteen dollars there. If it breaks above that, it can easily run back to nineteen. So. Yeah, I I, uh, I like coals down here, and um, it's a good defensive stock, and you know pays a reasonable yield. Kunal, it's up two point five percent today. Let's forget about the afterpay bit. Let's just focus on coals now, and you know its roles the defensive, consumer staple, et cetera, et cetera. Did you see today's update as being a positive one for the business, and uh, you know does it suit particular investors? Yeah, I think it's pretty good. I think I think the announcement is very good, and I think one of the one of the key things over here is for the three months ended 30th September. Um, you know, they have delivered a 10.5 percent increase in sales. So, so that is total sales revenue over the prior corresponding period, and that is nearly 9.6 billion. So, overall, I think they have done a fantastic job. And also, if we look at uh, the, their uh, the number of um, you know, segment now they're getting into is also helping them quite a bit. So I think I think Coles has some further uh, good days or good times to come for them. All right then, uh, David, we'll get you to help us see the light on two stocks in a moment. I'll come back to you in a tick. But Kunal, I will stick with you just with one little stock that came through from um, uh, where are we? From Costa actually. Thanks very much for your question, Costa. I uh, would like to know our thoughts in regards to E Road. Uh, the company's code is ERD. Um, so obviously, definitely very different pace in regards to uh, uh, the types of stocks that we were looking at with regards to um, uh, Coles and the big names that we started the show with. Do you have a view in regards to ERD? I mean, its share price is currently, what is it, $3.84? I believe it's a recent listing. I don't think it's been all that, um, um, all that around for, uh, for too long. Um, is there anything, it's a New Zealand company. I've got to admit, I haven't done much research on this one, Kunal. Are you able to shed any light on it? Yeah, so E-Road, they are a New Zealand-based technology company that provides devices to track vehicles and gather road user charges. Okay, uh, they listed yep. in Listed in September, the business is establishing good growth base across New Zealand and key regions uh, like the US. They have also launched a dash cam, E-Road Clarity dash cam. Um, the annual revenue is growing at a double digit compounded annual rate over the last few years. Uh, profits are not there yet. A value proposition on the business can be found to an extent um, that that, they are, uh, that the profit still needs to come. But being in the, the technology side of things and more and more people using these dash cams, I think these guys can do really well. Currently, they are inching towards a 52-week high and, uh, and uh, there is potential in the business. In this business, the potential is there. Because more and more people are going to use dash cams, more and more people are using vehicle tracking technology uh, with regards to how the tolls are being paid and so on. So overall, as a technology business, I think they have got legs. Okay, too early for me to comment though, Costa, but hopefully Sunal's comment um, is of worth to you. All right then, David, time for you to help us see the light on two stocks that we're going to listen attentively to, and then we're going to do our own research into these businesses to determine whether they align with our investment objectives and tolerance to risks. What companies would you like to talk about today? 
Oh, look, they're boring um, money-making companies. Um, <laughs> one of them... <laughs> One of, one of them is a, a gold producer. I like the gold space. It's an yeah. unhedged gold producer. It's small in the, in the gold space in terms of size. It's only you've got a market cap of about just under 170 million, but they've got about 19 million in cash. They're producing 90 to 90,000, 95,000 ounces of gold unhedged. So they're completely unhedged. Uh, they are, their production is in the Philippines. So from that point of view, there's you know, people perceive it as some sovereign, there could be some sovereign risk, although they've been there a long time. It's an underground mine. Um, I've spoken extensively with the CEO. But the good thing is they're all in sustaining costs from their September quarterly report is 1,079 US dollars. So right now they're making at least $900 from their all in sustaining costs and $900 profit margin. You work out the numbers, that's 80 to 100 million um, net cash flow and profit for the projected for the next year. So very healthy balance sheet. Um, they, they were paying dividends. I expect they'll reinstate the dividends um, in, the, in the near future with the amount of cash and they're looking for acquisitions as well. So very strong price. The, the stock is trading around 80, 82, 83 cents. Um, it was a dollar five only a, a couple of months ago. I can't see any reason it can't, won't, won't go back there and much higher from here. So that's my yeah, first one. Now, hang on a tick though, David, but uh, uh, that was, you gave us the cryptic clues, but who was the actual company? Sorry, the code? Oh, Medusa, Medusa Mining, M. Correct. M Hopefully you got that right at home, Thank kids. <laughs> uh, and the next yeah. one, David? Uh, and the next one is, again, one I've mentioned before, Horizon Oil. Yeah. They go, everyone goes, oh, oil. Oh, you've got to be kidding. This is a five and a half cents. This stock was 15 cents before COVID. Um, they're... Their numbers, I mean, I, I look for companies generating strong cash flow. I don't care what they do, as long as they generate profits and cash flow. And this one certainly does. Now, they just announced the other day they sold their P&G interest, small interest, but, you know, for good reason. Um, and they're getting three and a half million US dollars in. That's about $5 million cash. They're debt free. They actually paid down $130 million in debt over the last two years. So now they're debt free. They've, they will... Um, you know, they've got $25 million in debt and cash, US dollars. So, mm. you know, when you net the two off, net debt free, and then they've got this $5 million coming in. But look, they're generating um, 8 to $10 million uh, net cash flow on all price of $40 US per quarter. So, you know, here, here you've got a company that's producing 50, 60 million uh, cash flow, uh, at least for the year. And, you know, they've got a market cap of 70 million. So I, I don't see any reason why it's consolidating down here. I can't see any reason at all why the stock won't go back to towards 12, 15 cents from here over the next six to 12 months. All Horizon. right then. H yes. H is the code. Yeah, correct, that's right. So HZN, double ML, two stocks to see the light on. Okay, folks, uh, questions? Well, you're gonna have to be quick. We're running out of time. We're gonna power through these last few ones, but the details on the bottom there. Remember to go to the website, uh, not just uh, after today's show, but if you wanna watch all these shows that we've got there, you can see them on spotty.com.au. And of course, we are available on podcasts as well. And we now continue with our exploration of the 16 traits of successful investing that our great supporters at Share Wealth Systems have made available to all viewers at Spotty. So today we learned something, you know, that I'm quite passionate about, actually, and that is that we need to be coachable. Now, I'm sure you can, you can fumble around in your investing if you like and make the same mistakes we've all made before, but why don't you look for a shortcut to the process and consider you know, being guided by someone who's more experienced, who's walked the same journey before you. 
Having a good mentor can not only fast track your learning, but inspire you when you feel demotivated and enlighten you in moments of despair. Um, but you know, they're not just for you, they're also for all of us on the panel here today. You know, we love continuing to learn about the share market. We love continuing to acquire knowledge. It's how we can continue to remain ahead of the game. And you really need to be the same way too. So go to 16traits.com to learn why being coachable is one of the traits of successful investors, because really it is. The minute you think you know everything will be the minute that you're proven wrong. Okay, then as we go to air currently, the markets are just having a look at the All Ordinaries uh, continuing its positive momentum up, the XJO up also 0.1%. So gentlemen, we are going to power through um, the last few of these uh, comments. Kunal, I'll go to you in regards to um, uh, this one here. Alex, he's feeling he wants to go a little bit more defensive in his portfolio. And he's asked, can you suggest an ETF or share that has significant exposure to Australian Treasury bonds, please. Um, so I'm not sure if you're uh, up to speed on the ETF side of things there, Kunal, but if you are, do you have a suggestion or you know uh, one that Alex can go and do some more research into? Yep, yep, let's talk about ETFs. So ETFs, um, they have done well lately, you know, with regards to the COVID-19 scenario. Um, let's talk about some defensive profile ETFs. Um, so there is one like the Australian Government Bond ETF, AGVT. I'm again repeating the code, AGVT. Um, these guys have exposure to government uh, bond market for capital gains. Um, and what these guys do is they follow a strategy where they invest in a portfolio of long duration Australian government bonds. Mm. And... Um, these are AUD denominated fixed rate bonds and have a term of maturity of seven to 12 years. And um, so obviously people need to look at the risks of this ETF for themselves. Uh, but if you're asking something that is uh, as an ETF related to uh, the government bonds, Australian government bonds, here is the one for you. Okay, so hopefully that uh, that does help you. There, there are some global ones from iShares, for example. Um, I'm uh, just having a quick little look here, um, just in regards to um, IHHY. Um, but yeah, th there's a few out there, but the one that uh, Kunal touched on really is the one that sort of hones in on that area you are wanting to look for. Hopefully that helps you there, uh, Alex. Um, okay, David, an interesting stock. It was one of the darlings, I suppose, in regards to the IPO circuit in recent times. Um, Adore Beauty, uh, ABY yeah. is their code. Um, now, obviously, the IPO has not been all that well received. Um, and Greg wants to know, a uh, different Greg than the earlier one, um, wants to know whether um, was it just priced too high? Um, and uh, he'd just be interested and he wants to know why there might be this pullback that he's seen in the stock. So uh, your, your view in regards to ABY, acknowledging from a charting perspective, it's hard to do charts on something that's only been listed three days. Yeah, look, I just had a glance at this one and, you know, the, as you said, it's just a recent IPO and um, they raised, I think, about $269 million. Um, You know, they must have paid down debt because they've got $20 million in the bank and, and the enterprise value uh, is $614 million. Now, I just looked at their projections for next year. They're forecasting a profit of, of actually calendar this year, $5 million. So an evaluation of six, now they're great products. I mean, this is an e-commerce. Now, why has it come down also? Because there's been a re-rating in the sector with regards to valuation. Yes. If you look at Temple and Webster, if you look at Kogan, they've all come off the boil. 
because they've run too hard based on extreme valuations, which is the point that I'm making. They can run too fast, too, too hard, too fast. And that's what's been happening in this space. So when you just stack up the, the numbers, you just see the valuations that just look ridiculous. But hey, people are still willing to pay these prices and uh, but they, they face the risk of a sudden correction. Now talking about the bond market, I must say this because I can't go without saying something about the bond market because this yep. is one of the most important markets to look at. I personally would not be at all rushing into buying an ETF in bonds or bonds whatsoever. We've seen a 40-year rally in bonds. This is unprecedented. So you, it's it's been fueled by lower interest rates, central bank money printing, you know, stimulus measures, you name it. We're cutting rates to zero and going into negative rates. This is the now you want to talk about bubbles. Here's one that is one of the biggest bubbles. Oh, it, I'd be scared to be holding bonds out there because with the stimulus measures that are being implemented by the U.S. and and around the world. That leads to, traditionally leads to higher inflation, which means higher interest rates. And we're starting to see the yields move up on US treasuries and here slightly as well. So you get a breakdown in the bond market. Let me tell you, that's going to reset all asset values, because if you look at bonds and stocks, they've been going up together, which is highly unusual and unprecedented. You never have both going up yeah. at the same time. And you wonder, well, why would people be buying bonds unless they're really scared about the financial situation, which is clearly the case. But let me tell you, there's no price for risk here. When you look around the world and you see sovereign countries with people lending money to Greece and Italy, I mean, you know, this, this is a bubble waiting to burst. So this is definitely a place that I would avoid. I would definitely not be buying an ETF or buying bonds. So I just wanted to add that in. And by the way, here's a question, okay? A quiz for you and the viewers. How much did you need back in the late 80s, did you need to retire on, on a passive income of 100,000 if you bought a 10 year Australian government bond? How much do you think you needed? To retire? On, yeah, on 10%? 100, yeah, on, on well, 10%? Yeah, go. Well, six, it was 16%. Hmm. So you need 600, 650,000 to retire on 100,000. How much do you think you need now to buy the same bond? <laughs> yeah, a lot 13 more. million. <laughs> 13 million. Yeah. Now, if that doesn't knock your socks off and you wonder why we're in an asset inflation bubble in stocks and property, please give me a break. Yeah, this well, that's one thing. Yeah, look, this that, is that's, one a, thing that, that's the macro. I, I, I tell you, this is a passionate area because people don't see this as coming. They just don't see it. They're blind to it. That'll no. reset asset values. So yeah, it's just a warning. No, no, I know it's a warning. And, and look, there's been plenty of talk on this station about things like that. And just, just to confirm for people too, with regards to David's comments in regards to bonds, he's obviously talking about the yield relationship. Basically, as interest rates have been coming down and moving into negative, all the old bonds that were written back at, say, 2% or 3% have shot through the roof because really they're the only thing paying a coupon rate that's great. And people are paying above the odds to get that higher rate. The inverse occurs when they mature and then you cycle through and you get these low ones occurring, then you could possibly get that massive collapse that he's talking about. So that's the mechanics of it. Of course, you can talk to David in more detail about that. We can't talk about the end of the world canal because we've got more immediate questions to hand, one of which is Hub24. Neville has just sent us a question um, on the text machine. He's noted that Hub24 are looking to raise $60 million to, blob, to buy a number of different companies 
Explore Wealth being one of them at 20 cents per share, giving them a get out of jail free card because that company was about to go to the wall. Um, Ordmanet's portfolio administration, reporting service, Eastern Investments. Um, basically, he wants to know whether you know this continues the trajectory because a lot of people believe in this advisor software platform uh, type theme. Are you a believer in not only Hub, but also, you know, other stocks like um, uh, NetWealth, for example, and the others, uh, Premium being another, that also provide similar sorts of services. Sure. Okay. So, uh, Hub24, um, I think they're in trading halt right now. Yes. Equity rating of about 60 million. Um, they're doing three uh, transactions. Uh, they, they plan to acquire investment platform provider Explore Wealth. And the total investment for the transaction is about um, 93 million, with Hub24 expecting them to deliver approximately 13% uh, earnings per share. So, so the key thing over here is how, how are these businesses going to do in the future? I think once again, they're technology businesses, the simple methodology these guys follow, if you can put more funds under management or more, more funds under advisory, these platforms do really well. Now Hub is one of the better platforms. So I think they, will, they should do really well in the coming few years, especially as more and more uh, people are using online platforms. So physical brokerage businesses are not doing that well. Uh, mm. Financial planning businesses are not doing that well. We know what happened to AMP for a number of reasons. But the key thing is technology platforms can do really well in the future because more and more people are using online platforms. Uh, I think there is a, a new brokerage company out there called Superhero. They are also doing pretty well as well. So the key thing is online platforms have a long way to go. Okay, Kunal, what we'll do is we'll come to you in a moment for your two stocks to see the light on. A uh, question from Josh in regards to um, uh, Vintage Energy, VEN, that he's just sent on the text machine. Look, another one of these East Coast gold, uh, gas plays, I should say, out in the Otway uh, Basin. Now, you do note in your message here that it's got a great shareholder base. Notices that Regal funds tend to be mucking around with it a lot. However, if you look at that share price, it looks pretty uh, pretty poor. And actually, to be honest with you, it's atypical of many of the gas producers at the moment. It's, uh, or sorry, the explorers, I should say. Notwithstanding the massive potential for a lot of these guys and the federal government's assertion that yes, we're gonna need more gas and work um, in this space and get more of it. It's a really tough area to play. And many analysts and brokers have been caught with their pants down. The one I will um, talk about the most because it's one that I hold, uh, and I may have talked about here on the program before, is Senex Energy, SXY, uh, which is up in Roma, up in uh, uh, Queensland near Gladstone. Now, it's, um, it, it's, it's a producer. It's signing contracts like nothing else. I mean, it's like the fairy godmother's handing them out with magical dust. There's seriously a lot of uh, people coming on board. Um, they've been able to increase the size of acreage. Their, you know, their reserves have, have been going up, and yet its share price has been going sideways. It is the premium gas producer on our market by kilometres. It's one of the very few that's actually got a positive share price trend, but really it's sort of going sideways. So look, with VEN and with a lot of those gas guys, um, yeah, even with Horizon, as um, you know, uh, David was talking about earlier, it is a bit of a patience game. There's a lot of positive views on them, but for whatever reason, the price isn't reflecting that at the moment. And that's got, that's got to come down to your own personal conviction, how much you believe in the stock, and therefore what you're willing to commit. 
Um, look, just quickly, David, if I can, you, um, because we've got to get to Canals 2 stocks, just quickly, a very quick comment on national storage REIT, um, basically saying they gave an update today, uh, Michael says. Um, I haven't read it yet myself, but he says uh, it's gone up, uh, sorry, the where our occupancy has gone up 5.6% to 84.5%. So the warehouses, look, uh, are getting pretty full, which is good because I'm led to believe that that's actually higher than what they were um, at the start of this financial year. So is uh, NSR, National Storage, uh, REIT, one of the stocks that you uh, look at? Uh, not really, Elio, but look, just looking at it, I just had a quick glance. I mean, look, their, their return on equity is really poor. Um, you know, just looking at it, the negative uh, return on equity of 3%, um, you know, and been flat for the last three years that I can see, uh, does pay a reasonable unfranked yield of about 4.5%. Uh, so this is not a growth story as far as I'm concerned. Um, you know, it's just going sideways here. It's uh, on the trend. It's It just looks anemic, to tell you the truth, and not not for my interest at all. But, you know, if you just want a dividend, a yield, this is, this is the play. But yeah, that's forget right. about growth. Yeah, no, you forget about growth. It is absolutely a yield play, and uh, and as with most REITs, unfranked dividend. Okay, Kunal, time for you to help us see the light on two stocks that we can uh, do our research into and see whether they align with our investment objectives and tolerance to risk. And we've got the uh, weekend coming, so we've got plenty of time to do that. So what two stocks would you like to help us see the light on? Okay, here we go. The first one is uh, Kathmandu Holdings. Oh, okay, um, so yeah. We know them, they are an outdoor business. Um, they have the brands of Ripcurl and Oboes as well. Um, the revenue hit due to COVID-19 was about 135 million New Zealand dollars. Um, and the good thing is they are, they are going into e-commerce and online sales are jumping by 63% to about 106 million New Zealand dollars. And also due to the increased participation going forward, now that lockdowns are coming off, uh, people are gonna go to outdoors and beaches and everything. So they will capitalize on that. And uh, they're also uh, reopening a lot of their retail stores and they are in a decent financial position, good balance sheet, low net debt, and, um, and they have a strong cash generation business. And uh, they have a diversified portfolio of brands and with Christmas coming in, these guys can do really well. So the first one is Kathmandu. Second one is, uh, uh, which is doing uh, really well lately, is Atomo Diagnostics. The code is AT1. Now mm -hmm. these guys do rapid diagnostic testing. Um, they are um, they are uh, exporting to the global diagnostic market. Uh, they have lately received. Uh, Therapeutics Goods Administration approval as well for COVID-19 antigen test, uh, which is a very big leap for the business. And, um, and also it has partnered with the Health Solutions Group Australia uh, to provide professional testing services um, for, uh, for COVID-19 and so on. So the good thing is Atomo reported FY20 revenue of over 5 million. Uh, which is around 10 times of the FY19 revenue. And um, the new customer demand is very strong. They're also focusing on scaling up of the and the global rollout of the business in the HIV self-test market. Um, so yes, they do have some risks, but I think they have a lot of growth as well. 
And uh, yeah, so that's AT1 and uh, Kathmandu was the first one, KMD, for those of you playing along at home. And on that note, uh, gentlemen, I have to bring an end to what's been an absolutely enthralling episode um, of Spotty today. So on behalf of everyone watching, I want to thank Kunal Sawney from Kalkine for jumping on. Thank you very much for your contribution today. Thanks, uh, Elio. Thank you very much. Highly appreciated to be on the show. Thank you. And that's calkine.com.au if you want to learn more about the services that Kunal offers at his firm. And then to our great mate. Thank you once again, David, not only for your contribution today, but for helping me out and jumping on the show at late notice. From wealthwiseeducation.com, thanks so much for your time and insights today. My absolute pleasure, Elio, and to all the viewers as well. And uh, we always love a good asset bubble story, David. So don't worry, you'll be back on the show in the not too distant future, mate, because that's absolutely right up our alley. Um, well, next week's going to be a shortened week with the Melbourne Cup holiday here in Victoria. So on Monday, we have um, a Felipe Bui from Medallion Financial Group joining the great man Frank Watkins from ProTrader. Remember, all our past episodes are on the website, so go to spotty.com.au if you want to catch up on past episodes uh, there. Um, lots of information. And remember, un un at the bottom of each episode, you will actually see the codes that we actually cover within the show. So there's no need to necessarily watch all the first one and see how you go. You can just do a little search if you like. There's even a search bar up the top where if there's a company of interest that you have, say Afterpay, because that was one of the big ones today, just type in the company's code in the top right-hand corner there and you'll see the episodes that it was discussed in as well. A great little feature there. Uh, remember, if you can't tune in live, you can send your questions in early. Don't try calling as some people have tried to call uh, uh, Dexter. We don't uh, actually answer calls. It's just for text messages only. So 0480 or, or email us question at spotty.com.au. And remember, we love getting new experts on the show. And we've got a few coming on in the coming weeks, but we always want to see more. Let them know and let me know, and we'll see if we can arrange something together. Well, thanks again to our great sponsor, ShareWealth Systems. And remember to go to that website, www.16trades.com to learn the 16 traits of successful investing. Thanks, Ticker, for letting us take an hour of prime time on the show here. Thanks, Mike, for pushing all the right buttons as well. Stay tuned for the Ben Robin Robbo Show, which is coming up next. And uh, until next week, at the end of what's been an incredible week for us here in Victoria, it's palpable, actually, the sort of relief we're feeling. But nonetheless, I'm Elio D'Amato. You've been watching Spotty, and together we've been shining the spotlight on shares. I'm going to go for a walk. Stream us live on the Ticker app, Apple TV, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube and tickertv.com.au. Ticker, streaming news now.